good position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 305 of the Best Linux Games Podcast. 305, right, Ivor? Crack Engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth. This is being recorded for you on uh, Sunday, August uh, 30th at 1936 hours p.m. Pacific Coast time. Left Coast, Coast of the most 7.36 p.m. at night. Uh, that would make it for our sequel, friends. 2020 Um Crack Engineer Ivor Molina over there holding up the whiskey sign. Yes, that's, that's right. Hold it up. Higher, 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 Ivor. Make me believe it. Good. You're fired, Ivor. Mm. So, we have a lot. We have a very disorganized show for you this week, but it's a very good show. Um, so we'll get straight to our top stories. This has been a great week for Linux gaming, just overall. Um, a lot of good games came out this week, uh, and there's, like, nothing but good news on our rundown, actually, now that I look at it, um, including our first story. 
As mentioned uh, either last week or the week before, Postal 4, which is buggy on Windows and buggy on every system that it runs because it's still an alpha, Postal 4, no regrets, does now run on uh, Linux via Steam with uh, Proton uh, GE, Glorious Egg Rolls Proton. Let's see, what did I put on here? Uh, yeah, GE5ST. It now boots up and runs and gets you in game. I still have no sound, but this is a massive improvement over not being able to play the game at all. Um, and Postal for no regrets is 20% off. You know why we're mentioning this at the top of the show instead of during our normal deal section? We do have some deals for you this week. <coughs> um, is that uh, Postal 4 is 20% off at $15.99 through Monday. They just pushed out this hotfix. Your mileage may vary. If you're a big fan of the franchise, you're a sick motherfucker. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I liked Postal 1 and uh, Postal uh, 2. They were psychotic mass murder fantasies, but and now they've lost their charm now that they seem to have in, in real life almost every week on our fucking TVs, but mm, now's a good time to pick up the Alpha if you want at a steep discount. 20% off is you know, it's pretty good. It's like five bucks off. Uh, But that only lasts through Monday, so avail yourself of the opportunity while ye may if you are so inclined. Moving on, um, I want to talk about very briefly about a game that was that I mentioned, I think, over the last two weeks. It's called Grief Helm. G-R-I-E-F-H-E-L-M. Um, I am not sure if this game is good at all, but if you like side-scrolling, two-dimensional, pseudo-3D, highly stylized, um, medieval sword fighters, medieval so longsword, which is not my favorite thing. Um, this is an open request for comment on this game from amongst our listeners. It's twenty bucks. You'll have to pay. You'll have to pay for it yourself. Um, but if anyone has thoughts on Grief Helm, because I've spent three hours in it and I actually enjoy the game, but it makes me feel bad about myself because I don't think the game is very good at all. Uh, but everyone else seems to like it. I, it's weird. Normally, I'm not this far out of step with, uh, with the rest of the universe. So, if, if you got something to say about Grief Helm, hit me up either on the Discord or, uh, at Vegas Writer, V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R. Let me know what you think about Grief Helm. We might, I, cause I, I, one of the things about this show is it's called the Best Linux Games Podcast. And so I hate to run negative reviews. I think we've only run like maybe three negative reviews on this show, on this air, um, in the six, seven, however many years that we've been doing the fucking show. 304 episodes of it. Um, and because of that, and because of like just the dearth of games that are coming out as the, the, um, the dead season of the game release cycle comes to a close, the doldrums of August having been survived hopefully by 
all loyal listeners, um, there's a lot of games to play, and in fact, there's actually a lot of games right now, this makes this job really hard, which is, it's great when it's this hard, that's what she says, um, where there are actually more games that I like to play and want to beat right now than I have time for. Like, I have not beaten Rogue Legacy 2. Have not beaten uh, Ancestors. Sniper goes for your contracts. And Control. And I'm working on beating Dead Cells again um, because Jeff, Jeff, friend of the show, Jeff Jeffrey Wise, and I finally managed to get him to start playing the game, and I we torture each other constantly via text message, and uh, he thinks he's a badass for beating it like three times, whatever. Mm. I spent more more hours in fucking Dead Cells than he will ever spend in Dead Cells, and there was no way to beat the game during those hours. But anyway, point is with Grief Helm. I'm, I have to make a decision whether I'm going to beat this fucking game or not. And if I beat the game, I have to review it. So let me know. You know give me a shout out about what you think about Grief Helm. Um, you know, uh, but it, I really like to only hear from people who've played it. So that probably eliminates like 99% of everybody, especially because it's like 20 bucks. But they keep pushing out hotfixes for it and patches. And, uh, yeah. It's an interesting game. Our feature this week, um, this episode originally was gonna, was kind of conceived as a what I'm playing episode, but a lot of these games are new and noteworthy, so our feature this week is on one game. It's Control, which, uh, dropped on August 27th, so three days ago. I've been playing for three days. I logged, like, four or five hours in there. Mmm. We'll be talking about that in depth later on. But now I will base them with the new and noteworthy. We're making good time here. I was a North American fall when in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. Alright, we have a fucking bunch of good new and noteworthy games that are normally would be really exciting for me, but I'm gonna kind of be, I'm gonna try to be a little bit of a buzzkill here. Uh, first off, uh, one of the games that has, you know, kind of thematically, um, been a running thread throughout all, like, all of the early years of this show, Wasteland, the franchise that eventually inspired Fallout and Fallout 2. And the entire, Fallout 2 being, like, the best video game ever made. Uh, it all, the, all those, the whole Fallout franchise traces its origins back to the original Wasteland series, and Wasteland got remastered a bunch of years ago, like six years ago, and then they came out with a sequel, like six years ago. The sequel was pretty good. We reviewed it on this show. I never beat that game. The reason I never beat that game is one of the problems with the sequel was the maps eventually became so enormous that they became unwieldy to navigate. Like, you'd have to keep flipping between the global map and, like, the local map, and the local map was just not scaled right 
to the global map and so there are like a bunch of areas that are just a pain in the ass to navigate and they look kind of the same in certain locations anyway I had had some problems with it well Wasteland 3 is now out it is um, the sequel to Wasteland 2 it's gotten great reviews so far Uh, it is 50 it's very expensive it's like $59.99 it's exactly what it is Uh, and it built itself so far the reviews have been mostly positive 1074 reviews came out also on August 27th Uh, it built itself as following the critically acclaimed 2014 game of the year Winter Wasteland 2, the RPG series that pioneered the post-apocalyptic genre in video games returns with Wasteland 3 okay great um blah, so what is, okay, so for those of you who don't know what Wasteland and and or Fallout 1 or 2 was basically about um, post-apocalyptic survival um, role-playing game uh, with demi-isometric one-third angle camera, rotatable uh, small party-based tactical combat with uh, guns, weapons uh, turn-based turn-based with action points uh, that core that, that at least in Fallout 2 less so in Wasteland correlated to 5 seconds of what would happen during combat so reloading shooting etc 5 seconds action point um, this looks like a much different game than Wasteland 2 which was I think basically the 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 re- reformation of the rangers in the post-apocalyptic wasteland, Wasteland 3 looks a lot like Fallout 2 which is weird because now it's like the progenitor, the person who who inspired the child is now like emulating the child, which is weird, and I suddenly find myself I'm excited about Wasteland 3. I, you know, I just gotta say it. Um, I will pick it up eventually, but I haven't bought it yet because I'm, I'm pretty broke right now. For a frank, frank and open, honest discussion about my personal finances, please see the Discord thread. And uh, <laughs> that happened this morning. It was hilarious. Um, yeah, I'm just not that excited about it. And especially not at 60 bucks. Um, I think that what it looks like, what just on a gut level, it looks like the stuff that this game covers has pretty much been covered by Fallout 2. And covered better, maybe. But we'll see. Uh, You know, um, we'll see. Uh, I'm gonna wait for it to go on sale before I buy it, because 60 bucks is a lot of drone components in real life. So, there you go. That's Wasteland 3. A game that, a franchise that I never played I will be I will be honest. This is another game that I haven't bought yet, but probably will be buying next week, maybe. Excuse <sighs> Samurai Jack Battle Through Time, which uh is uh, published by Adult Swim Games. Um Voiced by the original voice actor, Samurai Jack Battle Through Time is an action platformer game that spans across time and space where actions will determine a new legend. It's 40 bucks. 
This is a uh, puzzle platformer, highly stylized anime. I really want to buy this game and I really want to play it. So far, the reviews have been very positive. It came out uh, August 21st of just so that's like just last week. Um, very positive, 380. I will be getting this game. It's an adventure platformer, uh, cartoon samurai thing. I don't remember the cartoon if there was a cartoon, and I don't remember... I don't know. I, I could have sworn that, the, that there was another game in the... in the, Maybe I, maybe there was just a cartoon. Anyway, it looks really, really cool. Um, new and noteworthy, indeed. And it's got... Uh, currently, it's got a uh, Proton TP rating of silver... Um, I just perused the um, the reports on it. Uh, I wasn't paying that much attention. I was really drunk and stoned last night, as I am every night. Uh, although, of course, I'm never stoned during the podcast itself. Um, so I didn't pay attention if they were using uh, if anyone had tried uh, GEST 5 or whatever um, on it, but it's got a silver, so we know it at least runs and should run ah, with everything working with MF, with the MF fixes, whether you do them, you know, manually or whatever. Um, also, finally, in our new and noteworthy, before we get to our feature, and we'll do our deals before we do our feature, so we'll just close with the feature and leave you, you know, with the deals and stuff. We'll be out of here in like 20 minutes. It's, it's going to be great. Um, finally in our new and noteworthy is a really crazy game a genuinely insane game like you sure there are games that are just like fucking wacky and crazy ah, I'm a fucking maniac I'm gonna blow up everything you know like Saints Row 4 and shit like that this is crazy in an entirely different way it's called Ancestors the Humankind Odyssey and uh it was going to be on our in our deals but it's so new, blah, right now it's 50% off at $19.99 through September 10th. Now, Ancestors of the Humankind Odyssey, which I played, like, 30 minutes of, and was just like, what the fuck is this? Takes you back to 10 million years ago, and you play as an ape, as a monkey, and you learn things. It's a survival game, so you have to, like, it's based on science, though. So, like, the whole game is basically premised around the idea of, behold, the neocortex. We can now solve problems. And so you have to take from 10 million years BC, you have to take a a group of apes into the Stone Age to Neolithic man, uh, evolving them as you go and surviving and dying and etc. Um, some people really hate this game. Other people, like me, are incredibly fascinated by it. Like right now, I'm getting into my, you know, maternal instinct phase. I'm a uh, female uh, great ape with uh, two children at the moment and uh, they cling to 
my back and my front and um, I protect them. Uh, but one of one of the things that makes this game so remarkable, at least, you know, I, it's not a review. This is just, I've only played it for, you know, 30 minutes or thereabouts. Um, was at the beginning, the actual opening cinema shows like a kind of a circle of life-ish kind of, you know, chant, Rube Goldberg kind of probability of uh, survival of the fittest. In that a giant bird catches a fish, loses the fish, the fish gets eaten by an alligator, the alligator eats the giant bird, the giant bird's mate is also hunting for stuff, and uh, a gorilla falls onto their nest with her tiny baby gorilla, baby, baby, and the mom, the giant bird lands on the mom and just with one fucking peck, just snaps a mom's neck, and mom drops the baby gorilla, and then you're playing as the baby gorilla, and the thing that was so interesting about this is it's, is it happens at night, and instead of power-ups and shit, there's a button that says intelligence, and I think this button is meant to mimic the neocortex, because you are now alone and afraid, in the jungle at night in Africa 10 million years ago and you press the intelligence button and all possible threats in the night vista that you're facing uh, uh, on the floor of the jungle erupt like phantoms like uh, Oni, like Japanese demon phantoms with these giant yellow eyes and scary Tooths of mouths that are like cartoons and then they fade. And because you don't know anything, the whole fucking screen is filled with them. You have to learn shit in this game and you have to adapt and, ad- and uh, combine shit and learn things. And what, what's crazy is it seems to have like a neural pathway. Well, at least that's in name only. They've kind of named their upgrade system for this, but there is no real direct skill tree. It's kind of like you just go out and do. It reminds me a lot of Minecraft, but in a naturalistic sense. It's very exciting, and some people really like it. Other people really hate it. I will know more about it when I have had more time to play it. It came out. Oh, here's how they build themselves. This is a good way of of. Uh, finding a middle ground between my 30 minutes. Yeah, right now the reviews have been mixed. Uh, okay, it also came out on August 27th. By the way, uh, the critical reviews have been pretty much fucking slamtastic. Like, uh, amazingly ambitious, PC World, exhilarating, personal and epic, screen rant, the next great survival game, PC Invasion, gorgeous, Shack News, and it is gorgeous. And it's touching, and it's it's very, it's immensely interesting. But anyway, here's what they have to say about it. Uh, survive your evolution in Neogene Africa starting 10 million years ago. Ancestors of the Humankind Odyssey is a third-person open-world survival game where you explore, expand, and evolve to advance your clan to the next generation in the exciting new adventure, adventure from Panache Digital Games. Oh, and the movement is movement can be fun and frustrating. The camera can be fun and frustrating. Um... But it's 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 
and your powers, like your actual physical capabilities as an ape, are just impressive. Like you can just jump off of trees, like you know, it's like fucking ninety feet to like the fourth floor. You will find a vine or something along the way as you, you know, it's it is immensely ambitious. Let me put it to you that way. I don't know if it's if if it's going to be the next big thing or not. I've I get chills every time I fucking play it though. And I'm looking at uh just a little bit of the um the uh store video that kind of inspired me to like take a chance on it. But anyway, it's right now it's 50% off. So if you think you might at all be interested in this game, get it now and then just return it if you don't like it. Um it's not in early access. It looks like it's out. Um Embark on the most incredible odyssey known to humankind, human evolution, spanning from 10 million to 2 million years ago. So 8 million years is what this covers. Begin your journey... Uh, uh, well, what, uh, uh-oh. Explore a beautiful yet ruthless world from swinging through tree branches in the jungle to stalking prey across the golden savanna grasslands. Decide what attributes to learn and hone in order to pass down knowledge to future generations, from crafting tools to enhancing evasive tactics against predators. Once again, that is the neocortex right there. Neocortex, you know, what we share with our monkey, uh, we are hairless monkeys. And the neocortex was the biggest thing, the biggest evolutionary leap that uh, ever occurred to our species. Mm. And well, what well, what is the neocortex? Well, the neocortex allows you to learn based off of previous experiences. You can apply pre. It does a lot of things. In fact, it's huge. The neocortex is what wraps multiple times around your brain. So if it's surface area, like your brain is already pretty fucking big. I mean, human brain is like it weighs like four pounds, I think, or something like that. But the neocortex if you unfolded it, if you stripped it out of the brain, off the top of the brain, uh, just after the blood-brain barrier, I believe, I'm not a fucking doctor, but I'm going from memory here. Um, if you, if you cut it out, if you cut off the neocortex very carefully, you'd have to, because that's, your brain has like all these little ridges in the gray matter, and shoved in between them is like are this one, is this one giant tablecloth size thing that's in your head, called the neocortex. You fold it over, fold it over, fold it over, fold it over, and then just spread it across the area of your brain. And this is what allows you to learn and to apply experiences that have been learned to the present. It's what makes rats smart. It's what makes monkeys smart. It's what makes humans smart. It forms the basis for logic and reasoning. Everything doesn't have to go through the amygdala which is like the fear center of the brain, fight or flight, stuff like that. Um, Neocortex allows for reasoning and tool use and problem solving and learning and teaching also. You can see something done by example. Monkey see, monkey do. You can see something done by example mm, and store that and know that it's important because it provides situational intelligence, and the way we know this, hang on, let's let me, let me, let me get some let, Ivor, you're fired! I meant for Ivor to bring in some factual shit about the neocortex here that wasn't just straight out of my fucking memory 
Okay, so we went straight to uh, the ultimate authority on everything in the universe, Google. First search result, the neocortex, also called the neopallium and isocortex, is a set of layers of the mammalian cerebral cortex involved in higher order brain functions, such as sensory perception, cognition itself, generation of motor commands, spatial reasoning, and language. So really, without the neocortex, you lose the ability to have thought, structured thought, as we know it. You lose the ability to learn. You lose language. Without language, we're like we're nothing. I mean, that's like the best thing that we have, theoretically. Although rats, which are the smartest mammals for their size, um, they have language too, and they use it constantly. Uh, why is? I don't give a fuck. Why? It, it, Jesus, leave me alone. Mm. I love how when you put. Uh, like an iPad or an iPhone and do not disturb it does absolutely fucking nothing it does not make it do not disturb it's fucking brilliant meanwhile I have an iPhone I have an Android track phone actually that I've been using to talk to the bitches um no offense to women uh but yeah anyway uh, horse lots um so uh, the, these particular the, the ones I'm interested in um, maybe TMI, but go fuck yourself. Uh, and I've just been astonished at how great this fucking one phone that's sitting in front of me costs almost two thousand dollars and a hundred dollars, hundred and fifty dollars a month or something like that. It's a ridiculous amount of money. Other phone that's sitting in front of me costs seventy five dollars with three months of like 4 gigabytes of data, 5 gigabytes of data or whatever only one of these phones has a spell check function that actually functions and doesn't ruin everything that you say and it's the wrong phone, but anyway (laughs) and it's just amazing I bought this phone for $25, it's like fucking throwaway, it's a total burner (laughs) and yet it has better, but yeah Anyway, all the shit I've been... The, Apple needs to use its neocortex. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, it's dead. That, that was in Steve Jobs. We have to fucking resurrect him like Adolf Hitler. That's what... That's Fuck, man! Oh, God, if we survive, if humanity survives the next five years, there will be a cult if, by the time I am dying, there will be some sort of weird, twisted, fucked-up cult if we continue down this path. It's trying to resurrect Steve Jobs like a giant robot evil Hitler. Anyway, because they're out of ideas. They have no fucking ideas. That's why they keep crippling their own fucking auto-correcting spell-checking platform to make it completely useless. And why? Because they already did it better. Have you noticed that every time their new iPhone comes out for you iPhone users, every time a new iPhone comes out, I, I, I only upgrade when I absolutely have to, when my phone is out of contract and when it gets broken to the point where I can no longer use it. Um, so that's like every six years, more or less, for me. Um, I've had two iPhones during the course of this podcast. Like, not this episode, but like the entire course of all 305 episodes. <laughs> I bought two iPhones just now. And I'm not insane! Um, but yeah. Progressively, it's gotten worse, not better. And the reason it's gotten worse is because they've run out of ideas and they're now blackmailing us with 
because they have no new ideas. So what are they going to come out with? Well, eventually, when they are completely out of every fucking idea, and I think they're nearing that. I love my iPhone. I love my original iPhone. I have no complaints. Well, I mean, I have many complaints, but mm, the device that changed the world, um, big time. But the bottom line is, why do you think it's gotten worse and not better in terms of basic fucking spell checking and autocorrecting? I call it autocorrecting, and that's with three K's, an X, a C, a T, a Y, an I, a one, and two capital N's. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, and literally it remembers that as, so every time I'm like fucking autocorrecting. Anyway, why do you think it's gotten worse and not better as the technology has improved? Because they have no more ideas in their last big card that they're going to release when they have absolutely no more ideas. They've already, they already took the iPhone, they made it bigger, and they made it bigger, and they made it bigger, and I like the big I like big Galaxy Note size phones, by the way. But I digress. They're, they're saving that in their back pocket. They, they've slowly, iteratively crippled their own, the core of their own software. So that when, because it's one problem that they know how to solve. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm there is no logical explanation for it otherwise uh, it, the logical explanation for it otherwise is that they are fucking morons beyond conception and I'm I mean I refuse to believe that some of the best engineering and technical minds in the fucking world you know theoretically but they don't have their Steve Jobs anymore they don't have a guy who can bring it all together who can put forth a new idea and they don't have the intellectual balls to do that but anyway so from a business perspective it's a it's a great model for an end user experience it is a shitty nightmare um and so <laughs> I don't know it's just crazy $75 in 3 months 5 gigabytes you know I've had this phone for 2 months uh, for a month and a half now and my other phone is 2 grand and I can't send a text to my mom. One of my favorite of all time. If, if you've never done this, you gotta you gotta Google. Um, I'm sorry. Then I'll end my digression. Uh, but you gotta Google uh, worst autocorrecting mistakes ever. One of my favorites is this. Is and you'll just end up with like all these screenshots. And there's actually a. I've submitted to a couple of their a couple of sites. One of my favorites that I've ever seen though was. Okay, dear, I can't, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be waiting for you. You know, it's like November, whatever. It's like obviously like Thanksgiving. We'll be waiting for you at the house and everything. And the user's reply is, Mom, I can't wait to eat your pussy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Obviously, he was trying to say, I can't wait to eat that pea. I can't wait to eat that pie or something. But <laughs> autocorrect him into, I can't wait to eat your pussy. That's, that's good. That's, that's, that's good heuristic. That's, that's some, that's some good neural, neural network training right there. Yeah. Mm. And yet, yesterday, okay, last thought, I, I, but I have to, I have to throw this out there and I have to search for it because I was texting Jeff Jeffy Wise 
And this was just an object lesson in this phenomenon that is just, it's so pervasive. It's like, it's, we're just like kind of dealing with it, just living with it. Um, let's see. Here we go. Okay, so I was trying to say, and literally, this is like meta, meta, meta. The autocorrect is so much better on my fucking track phone. Let's do a test. And then I tried in a separate message, tried to send the word destructible on my Android, because destructible is a word that I always misspell, because I always think that there's an, an A where there is an I. Destructible. Um, on my Android, it just completely corrected it to destructible. D-E-S-T-R-U-C-T-I-B-L-E On my iPhone it auto-corrected it to literally the following D-E-S-T-R-U-C-T space L-E How is that a word? That's not a word. Anyway. So yeah, one's $2,000 the end... (laughs) fucking infinite expense every month and the other one costs nothing and only one is good at its job Ah, but no I, I love my iPhone I keep my iPhone okay so I wore basic oh wait no we have to do the deals because we only have one deal and it's a very big deal the entire Witcher franchise I think it's the entire Witcher franchise is on sale now through uh oh god my eyes are going bad it's 70% off uh through September 7th this includes the Witcher 3 Game of the Year edition, which is $14.99 and is one of Oh! Oh no, okay, hang on. <laughs> no, yeah, no, all, everything, everything I just said was correct. Now I have the hiccups. Um, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Game of the Year edition 70% off, $14.99 down from $49.99 and the thing about this game is it's one of the most amazing games you'll play on Linux. Uh, everyone loves it. Um, one of the smash hits. Uh, why is this not showing me? I want to see like the Witcher page. There we go. Cause I think it's all of the Witchers. No, oh, fuck me harder. The Witcher. Uh, hang on yeah yeah uh, Witcher 2 which also runs on Linux this is an amazing deal 85% off $2.99 now it's a little buggier it's nowhere near as pretty as Witcher 3 but it is so much better than the first Witcher at least running on Linux even the first Witcher running on Windows is not that good it was a buggy piece of shit um I mean, the game itself was good. I never beat it, but it's just from what I know. But I did play the shit out of The Witcher 2, and that game for $2.99 is insane. And if you don't want to buy the Game of the Year edition for Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, you could save an extra $2 and get it for $11.99. I would go with the Game of the Year edition. Um, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Game of the Year edition. You can also get Witcher the Witcher Enhanced Edition Director's Cut which I don't know when that came out or if that fixed a lot of the bugs or if 
I really wish they would just remake the original Witcher so that they could complete the fucking trilogy on a modern, you know, com- gaming platform. But Witcher 3 Enhanced Edition Director's Cut is a dollar and 49 cents. I do not recommend that anyone play the first Witcher game. I recommend, at best, if you really can't bring yourself to start uh, a huge franchise on its third game, its third sequel, if you just can't do that, like some people, I'm kind of like that generally. Um, but take it from me, your old friend Skooky Sprite, you do not want to play the first Witcher if you've never played it, because it will make sure that you never play the sequel, which is a much better game, and runs much better, and is way better in every way. And they're not, they are contiguous, all three of them, but they jump to massive different points in the main character's life and stuff, so if you have to not get Witcher 3, then get Witcher 2 Assassin of Assassins of Kings Enhanced Edition, which still has one of the most impressive uh, full motion uh, not full motion video, but um, uh, CGI uh, introduction sequences of all time. It's so good, and it holds up really well. It Technically, it was a magnificent achievement and it still looks fantastic today. But really, realistically, what you should get is Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Game of the Year Edition uh, for $14.99. Okay, cool. I will beast him with the feature Control. Who do you think? Oh, my God. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. The So, what do you get when you take a, uh, basically a third person, you know, rotating camera action, action adventure game? Uh, in the vein of Tomb Raider 2013 or any of the subsequent sequels to the reboot of Tomb Raider, uh, combine it with Area 51, X-Files, uh, and Astral Projection, uh, and the, uh, you know, the whole umbrella of all of the fucked up CIA projects that were going on under the Dulleses, uh, like the MK Ultra experiments during uh, the 60s and fuck, who knows, maybe even till today or whatever. Uh, and then put it into, like, basically a universe where your female protagonist is kind of like um... It's kind of like the the, the uh, equivalent of the original Blade, like with Wesley Snipes, the movie. The first one was very good. Second one, I liked even more, but it was a terrible movie, but I liked it even more, even though it was terrible because it was so much action. And the third movie is absolutely nasty trash, except for the fact that it features the incredibly... Can you tell that I haven't talked to anyone in like a week? Um, the incredible, incredible line, you cock-juggling thunder cunt which is no reason to see that third Blade movie because it is terrible. But okay, so you know how Blade's a badass? Well, you're a badass, but you don't even know that you're a badass. So, Control. Problem, this is not a review. This is just, um, this is just a feature. Control, 
I've been highly anticipating control, especially because Miss friend of the show, Monsieur Le Oiseau, Monsieur Le Oiseau on Wheels, Monsieur, what is that? Monsieur Le Oiseau on Wheels, uh, Mr. Bird on Wheels. Mm. Kept playing it for like a week and a half. I was like, oh, does that run on Linux? He's like, no. And so I checked on Steam. This is like three weeks ago, a month ago. And eventually last week, we discovered that it would be coming out on the 27th, which was a date that I kind of, you know, I was like, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, sure enough, it came out on the 27th. Hard thing about talking about this game is not giving away too much because if it's one of those games that feels so... It's so crazy. It feels so personal. Um, that not like personal, like in an emotional level, but personal and like you really feel like you're kind of in the game, and the game is fucking crazy. If you don't want to know anything about this game, this is the other reason why we put the deals before uh, the feature, before our control feature. You should turn off the podcast now and go get control, I guess, if you don't want to hear very mild spoilers. I've only played five hours of the game, I think. I'm sorry about those beeps. Four, oh no, 4.1 hours. I got five of 68 achievements. I'm like at the beginning-ish still. It feels like I'm at the beginning-ish. So here's the deal. You're this chick in a, like, faux pleather leather jacket. I think you're in New York City. You're on the street. You're looking at a set of glass office glass door uh, office, uh, office building glass doors. It's raining. There are people everywhere. There's cabs going by. It's like dusk. It's really gray. And uh, you as the character, you know, you're controlling her. You have no idea what the fuck is going on, by the way, as the player. You go inside. And there's no one inside. There's no one inside this fucking building. This office building. At least on the floor that you're on. There's no one there at reception. And it's kind of then that you start noticing that, like, everything is... looks like it's from 1968. Like, there's, like, an ashtray and, like, packs of cigarettes and manual typewriters and rotary phones. Some of the lights are off in some of the hallways. Start going going down these hallways. A crazy thing that you notice is that doors open for you. Wherever you go, doors open for you. Now, the only reason why played Control was I made Le Oiseau on Wheels promise me that it was not a scary game. Because at this point, I was getting scared. I was scared before I started playing the game. There's no people, dark areas. It's gorgeous. It looks very realistic. Eventually, you turn a corner somewhere and there's a guy in the darkness. A man with a... 
Reminds me of that great line from Soul Asylum. Man with a broom and a knife and blood on his hands and he sweeps everything under the rug, goes home to his kids and gives him a hug, but his wife was not there. She just left a letter saying, I think you'd be much better off without me. There's a guy there in the darkness in this hallway and as you he's a janitor obviously he's wearing coveralls and he's mopping and as you come on to him as you approach him it shifts to a CGI sequence of him talking to you and it's weird it's very weird because your character doesn't seem afraid of anything by the way and that's by design that should tell you something it's one of the reasons why the game is not scary at all is because your character is such a fucking badass she knows things that she that she that the way the game is structured is your character knows things that she is not sharing with anyone including the player um and so you have these two entities you have this office building which by the way as you could tell from the seal at the entrance, is the Federal Bureau of Control. So when you come onto this janitor, when you when you when you when you when you arrive at him, this is a common thing throughout the game. This guy kind of there's something wrong with this guy. But he seems friendly. But it's like he says things that seem like they should make sense, but they, they 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 don't make any fucking sense. They're like giant chunks of words that you can't understand. And you wonder is it like a Russian accent? What's going on? But is it's perfectly synced to his like lips and everything. It's what he's actually saying to you. Mm. He thinks that you're here for the job. And the job is janitor's assistant. And you say, oh, yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly what I'm here for. I'm here to be the janitor's assistant. I've, I'm used to working nights in office buildings. It's totally way more comfortable for me than whatever. You have to do ah, the elevator to the director. He will have the interview there's a lot of this game that um, is heavily influenced, I think, by John Waters' uh, Firewalk with Me. Uh, I haven't seen the new um, Twin Peaks reboot, but uh, a lot of it's influenced by that, and I think a lot of it was also probably... It depends on the timeline. I'm not sure if this was developed before or in parallel with um, the American Gods uh adaptation uh, series on, I think that's on HBO, right? Or Stars. It's on Stars. Mm. If you've never seen American Gods, then well, if you have seen American Gods, then all you need to know is that basically all the environments in the game are like parts of Mr. World's world. This is a government facility called the Oldest House. You learn that later. And that's not a spoiler. Because I don't know what that means yet. But anyway. So, you will have to be interviewed. The elevator. 
So you take the elevator to the director's office and you see as you're approaching this door you see what's going on behind the door when you get out of the elevator but that's shown only to the player it seems like but not to the character and these sorts of sneaky deaky little ooh weird kind of narrative things happen a lot but anyway so as you approach the door you know the director bang has shot himself you the player knows this but you're not sure if your character knows this and so you open the door and there is the director dead on the carpet with his service weapon lying next to him and you're you're playing you you control almost all of this stuff there's like the 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 um from what i've described so far the only like uh part where you're not in full, full control of your character is that cgi sequence with the with the janitor and the weird flash forward sequence of the director with the pistol against his head everything else so you open the door and there he is he's dead and the gun's next to him and I naturally start walking towards the gun and your character talks to herself as if questioning this is so great it's one of the fun things about the game as if questioning the inscrutable mind of an unknowable god that is leading them on a path of fucking doom an uh, an irrevert uh, uh, what do you an irresistible impulse to follow a path towards certain doom. She says, you want me to pick up the fucking murder weapon? And so I stop. I'm like, yes, yes I do. And so I make her pick up the murder weapon. Now this is the only spoiler alert I'm going to give you. The next scene by the way, there's a giant white screen that extends in an alcove above, you know, like cupboards on the floor and cupboards along the ceiling. It's about three feet tall, it's about a foot and a half recessed, and it's just a big white light behind the uh, director's desk. You pick up the gun and the board, not the Borg, the board, B-O-A-R-D, begins talking to you, and they say really cryptic, weird things. They're talking to you from the weird white screen, but you are now consumed with the weird white screen. It is consuming everything. And they say a bunch of cryptic shit about how once an object is bound to a person... especially this object, this object of power, also known as an oops, in plural, it decides, it is the evaluator, and this gun, this weapon, this object of power, is your interview. And the next scene you see, you no longer have control, is just like the director. You have the gun to the side of your head and you pull the trigger. 
I know that this sounds very derivative of stuff that was done in um super 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 tree dude tree dude tree dude uh no super hot lots of people are offing themselves more and more I think subconsciously due to the horror that is surrounding us more and more here in America at least but uh she pulls the trigger and a whole new world opens up because you it's like greetings director you're now the new director of the Federal Bureau of Control. Now, some things about the oldest house that, you know, if you've listened this far, then you obviously want to hear a little bit more. So, what is this gun? This gun is a mythical object of power. It's a, a, an insanely powerful weapon. It is compared to Excalibur. To, to Odin's weapons, to, um, you know, blah. It has tremendous power. And you learn this because as soon as you've been decided, before they, as soon as they decide, as soon as the board decides that you're the new director, um, you're astrally projected into the board universe, which is made out of all of black granite cubes. And you can run and jump and etc. But now you see your gun. And your gun no longer looks like the service weapon that the director, the former director held. Yours shifts in space. It it has it's made of these cubes and these cubes self align and recombine and there's an entire upgrade system to your weapons and to your um, actual skill set and stuff but then you have to start killing the hiss and here's the structure of the game from at least from here on out from what I can tell so the oldest house the federal the actual building the office building in which the federal bureau of control which prohibits all technology, by the way, due to several accidents in the 60s. Everything, only radios that can be allowed inside are low frequency, only closed circuit television is allowed, no cell phones are allowed, people have been killed, no pencils are allowed. I think it's no pencils, because people have been killed something has gone wrong Federal Bureau of Control is built on a site of power in New York City the origins of which I do not know yet it relies on pneumatic tubes for communication across its many 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 departments it also turns out that most people can't see the building that is the Federal Bureau of Control or its occupants. If you're not meant to see it, you can't see it. Which is a great form of camouflage. Many doors, many passages, many uh, hallways in the Federal Bureau of Control. Many maps, many uh, you are here's moments, but not, they don't actually have maps that say you are here. They just have 
airport-like efficient signs pointing towards the various departments. There's a good in-game map, but when you're in the map, it doesn't pause anything. So something has gone wrong at the Federal Bureau of Control. Think of it like where Mulder and Scully would have been stationed. There is now this thing that has infiltrated the Federal Bureau of Control. It's called the Hiss. And it's killed a lot of people. It's one of the reasons why there's so few people in the building at first. It's killed them, and you'll see them floating, dead, twitching, dead, still twitching, floating, dead, twitching, as you navigate the they're somewhat spooky but they're not scary they're not and i am scared of anything i am scared of i'm scared of anything i'm i am a fucking giant when it comes to video games and movies i'm the biggest pussy on the face of the planet when it comes to real life i'm scared of a lot of things but i've managed to overcome those fears however when it comes to video games and movies i do not like being scared i hate being scared more than anything and anything scares me and is burned forever into my brain and traumatizes me. This game is not scary. Because now that you have your fucking Excalibur pistol, which automatically reloads, and you're just blowing the fuck out of these guys, bam, 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 bam. Then you realize you have telekinetic powers. You have two different flavors of telekinetic powers, in fact. You can pick up any object, and it auto-targets to any enemy. And you can hurl it at any enemy. It will fucking take off half their health. Then, while you're doing that, you're and then you're running and you're pulling shit off of walls, throwing it at people. You get up close to them and you're BAM! With your hand and you like fucking force push them into walls that crack and shatter. And all these papers are exploding everywhere like John Woo was just unleashed in the office building as you fight the hiss and you unlock the control points and you get closer and closer to the fucking furious mystery. Why? Why am I here? Who are you people? Why am I an actor? And you will do as I say. Eventually you get the building up and running again. Masamenos. This is exactly where I am and I'm skipping all of the good stuff. Combat is fast and furious. It's a little basic, but the graphics and the visual presentation, the the environments are so compelling, and the controls are so tight. They're really, really good. And all the promise of all these upgrades and shit, it is like Devil May Cry in an office building set in an episode of X-Files, like the Lord Kimbo episode of X-Files. I'm enjoying it immensely. Before we go, and so that, there we go. That's our feature on control. That's what control is. It's so cool. It really is cool. It's so cool. And it's smart too and funny. And there are these full motion video sequences, uh, that, um, you can play, uh, from, uh, old projectors of, uh, the people who've researched the objects of power that you, you can get, like the floppy disk, which is what, lets you have advanced telekinesis where you can literally like oh no object fine you'll pull up a piece of the floor 
Like, you know, if, you, if, there, if there's no piece of office equipment or a desk or a monitor or a typewriter or, like, an explosive fucking thing that you can... Well, fine. If there's nothing there, you'll just fucking rip out a chunk of the floor and you'll levitate it and you will spin your throat right through these motherfuckers' faces. It's it's a lot of fun. Big problem that I have with it so far. The only big problem that I have... The only big problem that I have with it so far... Um, this is something that Bert on Wheels mentioned to me and he was right, is that it uses a checkpoint saving system, checkpoint-based saving system, that uh, you have to replay significant portions of the game, which doesn't really, wouldn't really matter, because by the time you finally can kill, like, a boss guy or whatever, you're good enough to kill him pretty much under many other different circumstances. It's not like, uh, it's a chance occurrence. You have to really use skills to kill, um, significant enemies or significant swarms of enemies. But what sucks is that it doesn't save your collectibles from that area if you die. You have to go find those collectibles again. And so... That can be a big pain in the ass, but other than that, it, it's it's a trip. It is a and you're talking. I should, in the interest of full disclosure, this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll see you next week. Um, in college, I was a sociology major. Then, for a year, I took. I wanted to become. I wanted to. I wanted to become a phenomenologist and work at the sleep studies laboratory at Stanford. Um. Uh, that didn't end up happening. It was after I got to two years through my sociology uh, sociology course. I, I and I I was really into sociology. I mean, really into. I spent a lot of time with my profs and talking to them about like you know what the practical applications in the you know this is the grant administration. This is a long time ago when I was in college. I never graduated by the way um, with anything. Eventually, I became a music, uh, jazz composition major, and that was how I finished out my academic career but um I want I was very into phenomenology I had uh, great dream studies uh Jungian psychology professors who you know were very generous with their time and their it was fantastic 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 uh fantastic field of study phenomenology, the exploration of events, of experiences. And Jungian synchronicity, and etc, etc, etc. Many themes that are explored in other games. I have a soft spot for these things, and they are very much the center of control, but it's an action game where you're a badass redhead! So, there you go. That's Control Ultimate Edition. Uh, For those of you who... uh, have not already looked. I think control is how much is it? It's uh 20% off now through September 8th at $31.99. Runs great on Linux. Uh I highly recommend it so far. Um that's our show for this week. Sorry, it's been an hour and 20 minutes, but I haven't had to I haven't been able to talk to anybody. Let me see light! I have more beasting with the credits! Fire!
looked over. We'll find your mama together. A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna cry. Four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yada yada yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yada yada e. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Yellow is the color. Gambling is the game. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.